Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank descriptions of sex, and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy. James pushed in, hard and fierce, lifting her legs higher, coming in deeper, thick and hard, filling her up, soothing that burning, desperate, empty ache inside. Sarah suckled at Meg's clitoris, tasting her skin, ran the tip of her tongue around in circles as James had done for her. Meg cupped her own breasts and held them high, pinched her nipples and played with them, her breath coming fast and trembling gasps. They moved together, all three, until Meg's hips trembled in Sarah's hands, until the thick, growing heat of Sarah's belly could no longer be denied, until James groaned, raw and raspy, his hands trembling where he clung to Sarah's thighs, his cock pushing into her with desperate speed. My loves, he groaned, my girls. Claire. Neil. Claire. Neil. That passage was everything that I wanted out of this episode. It was so hot. It was Uh, so sexy. I'm just like, (laughs) I... Only because we needed a clean version of it was I not just like snapping constantly <laughs> in vehement support of that passage. But Claire, uh huh, as fantastic as that was. And oh, I there's just, more. Uh, do you want me to keep reading? No, Meg we, cried yes, out. Yes, I cried. do. But, <laughs> but we we have to do our podcast. Oh, um, that's right. We have a podcast. There's a mic in front of me. I'm full of gin. We got to do a podcast. Let's do it before the gin wears off, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Claire. And this is FMK Lit. Where we read two romance novels. A straight one and a queer one. And then we play Fuck, Marry, Kill with the characters. We sure do. Also, all the spoilers. So many spoilers. So many spoilers. If you don't like spoilers... We recommend that you just go read the book. Just go buy the book and read it. And then come back and share your thoughts with us as we share our thoughts with you. Right. And Neil, where can they share their thoughts with us? Well, we are on the Twitters. But more importantly, we are on the Patreon. (gasps) And what is the address? www.patreon.com slash fmklitpod. And if any of you are wondering, indeed we are getting more Patreons every day. Uh, we want to send out our love to Catherine and Carl, two wonderful C names that joined in the group. Uh, when we're very we talk excited about, to have both. When we talk about the clitorati, when we're talking <laughs> about them, it starts with a C. Indeed. Because they are special and wonderful people. And I know for a fact that um, Carl participates in the AIDS life cycle event, which as we when we post this will have just ended. And of course, as you're listening to it, will have ended. Mm-hmm. But if you wish to support them, absolutely, you can send some funds to AIDS Ew. life cycle way because they are back, baby. They are back and cycling down the coast and raising money for AIDS uh, foundations all over. Absolutely. Get on that. Mm. And of course, you can also support us. <laughs> I was about to make a joke about how we're just as important, but that is in such poor taste, especially oh, yeah. in this Pride Month. <laughs> so I shan't, but 
go support them. And then also, if you want to support support us continuously, like a staymaker would his uh, actress mistress. Spoilers, spoilers. Hints, hints, Um, hints. Hints, hints, hints. Go to our Patreon and we will love you all the more. Of course, we love you as you are. Just the way that you are is absolutely perfect and we love you for it. But if you supported us on Patreon, we would just love you just like a little bit more. Just like a little bit. Indeed, indeed. But Neil. Yes. I do have to remind everybody what we read. <gasps> Tell me. Tell me. Uh, we read She Whom I Love, uh, Treading the Boards Book Two mm-hmm. by Tess Bowery. Mm-hmm. And Heart and Hand, Interracial Mail Order Bride, Gold Sky Book One by Rebel Carter. That and what was our theme? Title is what so was our long. theme? <laughs> our theme, Claire. Tell us, tell us our theme. It made me so happy. Listeners, our theme was. I screamed. I screamed <laughs> for joy when our I. Our theme this. was polyamory. Our theme was polyamory. And I will say, Claire, mm-hmm. you did a very good job because one of these books is very queer. The other book is not straight but it is heterosexual yes so you did a very good job i'm proud of you for this thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you but before we get started uh cleo yes what's got you um all hot and bothered neil this is our 69th episode nice nice And that has gotten me more hot and bothered than anything. I am super <laughs> excited about that. I mean, uh, to get to the one, to get to 69, to nice. have done 69 of these episodes. Mm-hmm. Nice. It's so good. Yeah, It feels like, I mean, like every year when we're like, hey, we've been doing this another year. And I do really enjoy like looking back at the previous year from Valentine's to Valentine's-ish, from February to February, and being like, oh, let's look back at what we've done and play Fuck, Mary Kill with everyone that we've read. As much as that is lovely, I feel like, for us, the more important marker is episode 69. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> also, listeners, you need to know... That when Christine sent out the, like, Google Calendar invite for this recording, that it was just called NICE! (laughs) With, like, seven eyes. Oh, so good. So good. (sighs) I mean, doing this podcast has gotten me through job changes, significant health problems, um, changes in, like, family, changes in, like, um... Our dear Christine moving across the country, the pandemic, a global pandemic. Doing this podcast has gotten me through a global pandemic. Well, we say that it's still going on. Everyone, please remember COVID is still happening. Yes, absolutely. And it will continue to get me through that. But, you know, it's so exciting to be here at Mm the 69th episode. Nice. Nice. Uh, honest, honestly, when I think back, I mean, also time is crazy right now. Just like the concept of time is meaningless. But thinking about thinking back to the times when we like had just, like thinking back to our first episode 
sitting in Christine's living room recording and just being like, you know, whatever, we'll do this for fun or whatever. It feels like 672 years ago. And like, it, it almost feels like we were different people, which I guess we were because we've gone through so much in the last four years, just personally. And then also the pandemic. So it's it's very exciting. And then just to be like, Carl and Catherine, you continue to allow, or you allow us to continue to do this. And it's just like so very wonderful and special. And uh, maybe it's the gin talking, but I'm just so excited to be here. Well, and on that sappy note, Neil, what yes. has got you hot and bothered? Okay. So it has been a year for for one neil higgins even more it's been a week goodness gracious just like i have too much going on that is too much to deal with so i have decided to pick a very tiny nice thing that happened to me this week and just to share it with everyone so as listeners will know um claire and i lost our jobs earlier this year spoiler alert still looking um so that's been fun so to make myself a more attractive candidate to the places where i want to work i took uh a course on coursera to learn certain skills and they were like oh yeah you'll get the certification but you just gotta pay this monthly subscription fee and i'm like i don't want to because i don't have a lot of income right now but this is an investment in my future or whatever or whatever. Anyway, so I was like, sure, I'll do it. And then I'll just, I'll just game the system. I'll just finish the thing really fast. And then I'll only have to pay the the one-time thing or whatever. And that didn't work out. It spanned a couple months. And so I had to pay more money, but I got an email from Coursera the other day and Coursera is not paying me to say this, but if they want to, I will keep saying this to people. (laughs) Coursera sent me an email that was like, oh, hey, you finished that course that you were doing, so we canceled your subscription. And I was like, I'm so... Fucking... Fucking what? What? This just... Okay. Okay. In a land where capitalism is trying to destroy all of our lives... It just felt so good for a company to be like, hey, we know you were paying our monthly subscription fee just to do this one thing, and you finished the thing. We know this. We easily have access to the information that you finished this thing. So we're just going to cancel the subscription unless you tell us otherwise. I was like, thank you. Thank you so much, Coursera. I really... So that was very nice. And then also, I don't think I said this when we recorded last, but it is June, which means that it is Pride Month, and I just that is very special to me, and I wish all of you out there a very special Pride Month. And I just wanted to share those things. Um, <laughs> along the lines of Pride Month, I our friend of the show, Christy, who was our um, guest, our former romance editor that was on the show years and years ago, she and her wife decided to do a thing where it's like a Christmas card, but for Pride Month, where like 
you, you take the picture and you're like, oh, this is the, what we've been up to this year. And you send it to your queer friends and be like, this is my annual update, but we do it in June because it's Pride Month. I'm like, that's such a lovely idea. And they sent me such a fantastic it. card and it was so very sweet. And so I just wanted to like be like, hey, there are some nice things happening in the world, people. Please remember that. There are. There are nice things happening. And I am glad about all those things. Yeah. And so what I have to say to that is nice. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) I'm already mad at us, but whatever. (laughs) I'm not going to do anything to stop us. Never. Never. (laughs) Should we get into some books? Yeah, let's get into these books. She Whom I Love, Treading the Boards, Book Two, by Tess Bowery. Love would be simple if it came with a script. Marguerite Seniza dies on the London stage each night, but her own life has barely begun. The ingenue is on the prowl for a lover, but while she burns with desire for Sophie, a confession could ruin their decade-long friendship. In the meantime, there are always men vying to be her patron, and square-jawed, broad-shouldered James Glover can't help but catch her eye. Sophie Armand has been a lady's maid for too long, and she's sick of keeping secrets. Her hidden scripts and the story of her birth are only the beginning. Her nights are haunted by desperate thoughts of the beguiling Marguerite, and of James, the handsome tradesman who whispers promises of forever into her ear. James has the kind of problem a lot of men would kill for, Two women, both beautiful, both sensual, and both willing. Sophie wants marriage, while Marguerite's only in it for fun, and choosing between them isn't easy. What's the worst that could happen if he secretly courts them both? Warning. Contains a lady's maid with secret desires, a corset maker who knows his way around a woman's body, and an actress who never has to fake it. Rated for adult audiences only. Woo 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 Claire. Yes. That's what the book says it's about. What's this book actually about? Um I mean I don't like that. Um I don't like the back cover description. If only because it's really dry for how <laughs> lovely this book is. <laughs> it's it's a lot juicier than most of the back covers that we get. Yes, I would agree to that. I would agree to that. And it sold me and on the book, so I this, guess... This book is juicy. It's oh, juicy. Sensual. This book is sensual. <sighs> this book is so good. <laughs> it, this book is so good. This okay. book is so good. <laughs> Spoilers for us. Okay. We open this book on Sophie Alman, who is a lady's mate um, for the terrible Lady Harbach. Um, she's, th- we do find out this lady isn't too terrible. but So, okay. First of all, her name is spelled like it should be pronounced Horlock. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm like, that can't be right. It's H O R L O C K. The lady Horlock. I'm like, keeping them ladies whore, right. keeping them whores locked up. I can't, that cannot be right, but okay. I don't, either way, what I have to say is so, like, Sarah, who goes, Sarah goes as Sophie. So Sophie's real name is Sarah. 
and she just puts on the the French accent, the French background, so that she could get the lady's maid job and she could get paid more. Oh my god, I loved it. It's like the fashion now is to have French maids, so I'm pretending to be French so I can get a goddamn job. Yes. Love it. And I thought that was great, and also very true for the time as well. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I, I thought that was amazing. She is very good at her job, um, Mm -hmm. but she's also kind of understated in that sort of way. She secretly writes play scripts on the side. She wants to be a playwright. This is her very first one that she's ever written. Um, And here's where I should say, like, this entire series, I think, Treading the Boards, is about artists and people in theater. Yeah. Because I looked ahead, book three is about Grace. Well, and book one is actually about Marguerite's brother, the violinist. Oh. um, And the boy he's in love with. Uh, (laughs) uh, I love it so much. Uh, her brother who is just hinted at at the end of the book so Mm -hmm. which I thought was particularly lovely so like if you had read the first book you wouldn't Mm -hmm. know they were related until you got to the end when you find out Marguerite's real last name and that she has a brother which is super interesting because Sarah keeps talking about her friend I think it's Benjamin who used to work with her, but then he ran off with his lover to Belgium, and we find out halfway through that the lover is is a man. I was like, oh, that must have been book one. And then I looked into it, and it's like, oh, no, no, book one is about two other dudes. Yeah. I feel like this book is littered with there's other couples, and we don't know it. So, like, mm-hmm. I think that's particularly fun. But it doesn't fun. just reiterate what happened in the first book, like our treasure <gasps> hunter book did. Right. Oh, my God. Which... Uh, anyway, so uh, so she's very good at her job. She's keeping secrets. They're going into London for the season, which mm-hmm. is a super important thing in the, the bon ton. Um, and even though the woman she works for is older and married and doesn't participate as much anymore, like she, of course, still has to be there for all of the mm-hmm. big social events. Also, I... I don't know why, but I assumed that this book was Victorian until about halfway through and we find out it's Regency. And I'm like, oh, their dresses look very different than I imagined. Oh, I also thought it was Victorian. I wonder why. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway. It's, it's Regency. There's a part where they mention the Prince Regent. I'm like, oh, oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I got to that part too, which does mean the dresses are shaped slightly differently, but all the mm-hmm. underpinnings are similar so well yeah it was because I, I did a bit of googling so they wear stays and not so many so much corsets yes and and there's there's an overlap the the venn diagram of the two has a very big overlap and i um, think that's kind of what the hint is in that james is looking forward into the future into what mm-hmm. will be the fashion mm-hmm. and it does sort mm-hmm. of talk a little bit about that but yeah it wasn't too specific in the book so i i didn't get too too into that unlike the next book that we're going to talk about this one did a shit ton of historical research oh my (laughs) i i i came out of this book knowing more about like regency undergarments than i did going into it so much more and not only that but like trusting it like i trusted the information Mm -hmm. which i feel like is way different than when you just presented with Mm -hmm. something and you're like i don't know but also it becomes important because looking ahead he decides to make um oh and now i forget what it's called but the 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 hard 
usually like oh ivory yeah the hard or, center yeah or wood part that goes down through the center Shit, i'd written that down too but i don't have I, it either i want to say gusset but it's not gusset um but he makes one for each of them for each of the two women meg and sarah and there's a whole bit about like his methodology behind like the decoration like oh meg should have this kind of decoration and sarah could ha- should have this decoration and it's important and then looking ahead to to the to the very last bit where there's like this sort of um misunderstanding between the three and sarah's like oh well he made underwear for meg and he didn't make any for me so obviously he's going to pick her and we're going to get into that. So it's like, oh, so not only did I learn a lot, but it's also so important to the story in a way that, like, makes sense and feels genuine. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, absolutely. And was also, like, part of the plot and mm-hmm. built out the world. Mm-hmm. And also gave us, like, just a little bit of a hint of something that we hadn't seen in other stories. Like we don't get stories where the hero it makes ladies undergarments. Mm-hmm. But then <laughs> like, also oh, there's this beautiful moment where he, where it's like he, he's sort of, I don't want to say bored. He's like numb to women's bodies because that's his job. His job is to like understand intimately a woman's body to make undergarments for her. So he sees all these women in their underwear all the time. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, there is a beauty in that, but because that's his job, like that doesn't excite him romantically. Whereas the things that excite him romantically are a woman's mind and her passions and her thoughts and like the the things inside of her as opposed to just like the shape of her body. And that just felt so very lovely. Because, yes, both of these women are obviously beautiful, but then both of these women also have qualities beyond that, and they're very um, present throughout the whole book. Yes. Absolutely. And this is one of the first books I feel like we've read when a man, like, sweeps his eyes over a woman, and I wasn't immediately grossed out. (laughs) I felt like there was a good reason for it. (laughs) It was very professional that he was doing that. No, indeed. Anyway, so Sarah works, you know, works and, you know, they, they, sorry. Okay. So Sarah works as a lady's maid. They come into London for the season and there she meets up with her old friend of hers who she grew up with. <laughs> and that's Marguerite or, uh, or Meg. She goes <laughs> by Meg among friends. And Marguerite is an actress and she's, I would say like, I would say a B-lister in like mm-hmm. the way it feels like that she's not on the big London stages. She's on the small ones, but she's doing really good on the small ones. Yeah. And she's doing high melodrama mm-hmm. pieces, which aren't the rage right now. Right now, what seems to be the rage is the comedy things. Yeah. The body and, comedies. And she's not getting those parts. Mm-hmm. So, and I, she has that same complaint that we all have, which is how can I get experience if you won't give me experience? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I had a lot of feelings about her in that I felt completely simpatico with a lot of what she was going there was, through. There was one point where she's like, I'm deserving of big parts. And she goes to the manager of one of the bigger theaters and was like, I would be perfect for this part for the show that you're about to do. And then he sends her a letter and was like, since you took the time to come and see me, I thought I'd let you know. 
without having to audition he gave her the part of like the lady's maid in the play right and she's frustrated by that which i totally understand but i definitely highlighted that where she like crumbled up the letter in anger and threw it into the fire or whatever i highlighted it made the note but like girl it's still a part well and she still took it oh yeah so of course she did <laughs> I mean, so like, but what that was something that really delightfully set off, set apart Sarah and and Meg in these really perfect ways. And that Sarah is very like, she thinks everything through. She's, uh, she's very careful. She's quiet. She's very practical. And Meg is huge. And she makes Mm -hmm. like big gestures. She is a dramatic person and she lets Mm -hmm. her feelings and emotions just sort of run away with her. And she enjoys it too. She just enjoys like riding the high of these different emotions. Whereas Sarah does not. Sarah Mm -hmm. enjoys calm and like, without saying that the narrative didn't point to it the narrative didn't underline it the narrative just had all of their character actions do those things Mm -hmm. this was okay every every beginner writer out there who's like but how do i show not tell Mm -hmm. read this book like this book is uh, is does such a good job such a good job Absolutely. This is like, it was so much fun. And so then we bring in James Mm -hmm. and this author picked. So this guy is super fucking handsome. Mm -hmm. Uh, He is very good at his job. Mm -hmm. Uh, It puts him in contact with with ladies maids all the time. So Mm -hmm. it's absolutely, you know, makes sense that he'd run into Sarah and has known her for a couple of years light flirtations but now that she's in town he's like maybe now's the time to pull the trigger on that um but it also puts him in touch with uh other women around including Mm -hmm. like people like actresses and he has also done the stays for meg it very much establishes so he his he comes from he inherited a decent amount of money um but he is now for his father did something else but he's apprenticing for a very well-established stay maker. Stays being the undergarments of the of, that women wore at the time, and so he has money. But then he's also establishing himself in a career, and he's very much like looking forward, as in like fashion changes, and even so he's he has this confrontation with his. Um, the man to whom he's apprenticing that he's like, even since you've started, even since you got into this business, undergarments have changed so dramatically and like to survive, we need to look forward. And he has found that the, the man to whom he's apprenticing, his clientele tends to be older women of the gentry who are sort of like stuck in an era. Mm -hmm. So he's like, the only way I can practice looking forward is with theater companies they they want to be on the cutting edge of things so as you said he has worked with meg and the shows that she's been a part of so he's part of both worlds and it sets him up as a flirt flirt like he's a flirty Mm -hmm. guy like he's so it is also not out of character for him to have flirted with both women and both women look forward to his arrival Mm kind of the book sets it up in such a way so that you're not sure it's the same guy that they're both talking to Mm -hmm. until it becomes obvious and Mm -hmm. it's and 
another thing the book does that I really like is it sets up a lot of problems. Like this mm-hmm. is a problem that any other book would have as its central problem. Mm-hmm. And this book solves them by talking. <laughs> um, and so can I, can I read a very quick passage? Yes, go ahead. Uh, a bit of their flirting. So the man to whom James is an apprentice one of his clients is Lady Horlock. Harlock. Let's say Horlock. It's fine. Let's say Horlock. We'll say Horlock. So James s- runs into Sarah slash Sophie often, and he he makes a comment to her about like basically being like, "Oh, you would look so lovely in like this kind of dress that's not the type of dress that a maid would wear because of course that's where his mind goes is like he starts at the undergarments and then sort of like builds out from that of like how to make women look beautiful. And then she says, "You are, I think," she murmured in return, half turning to look him in the eye, her own gleamed with shrewd mischief. The only man I know who attempts his seductions through the mental dressing of his prey. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my gosh. It was, oh, it was so good. Um, and then also to your point, Claire, you had mentioned of these like problems and, and the problems that people have is everyone is keeping secrets. And what I really enjoyed is that they were keeping these secrets because they felt society wouldn't allow them to be themselves. And the thing that solved the problems is for all three of these people to be like, this is who I am and this is what I want. And the other people were like, oh yeah, that is also who I am and that is also what I want. And I mm-hmm. accept you for who you are. And so the, the moral of the story is, don't let society dictate who you are. Just be yourself and you'll find love. Everywhere from multiple people. Yeah. (laughs) It was beautiful. If that's what you want. (laughs) Yeah. Looking ahead to the other book, I feel like that was also what it tried to do, but did not accomplish at all. Yeah. No, I, uh, no, not at all. This, this particular, so it's, it's, it held up, which is, you know, kind of truth as like this beautiful thing, which actually comes up in the Victorian era among the artist class as Mm -hmm. part, you know, truth, beauty, justice, all of that Mm -hmm. as part of what we regard as being important in the arts and in the self. And this is just like the beginnings of those sorts of feelings Mm -hmm. in the Boheme class. But like, I, I really, what I loved about it too, is that this was the answer all the time. And he, James, Sophie, uh, sorry, James, Sarah, and Meg had to constantly relearn it. Like, Mm -hmm. it was a struggle. Like, it wasn't something that was simple. It wasn't, like, Mm -hmm. just an answer you could learn right away and everything's fixed. Because Mm -hmm. it's not the way it is. Like, it was a struggle. And I really like that, too. So, (laughs) James has decided, through talking with... I constantly derail you, and I apologize. (laughs) It's funny because you just derailed me then. Do you apologize for derailing? (laughs) Yes, I am a man, so I'm just going to interrupt you. 
James gets advice from a horrible man that what he should do is marry the girl he thinks would be a good wife and make the other one a mistress and just keep them secret from each other. Mm-hmm. So that's what James intends on doing because that's what the rest of society does. Mm-hmm. So he sends a love letter to Sarah and he sends and he starts and he sends a sexy letter to Meg <laughs> and is is ready to set this thing up and um, the two women meet each other. Now, important to note, the two women meet up early on in the book because they're bestie friends. And one of the most sensual and sexy scenes is when they were just talking and having a good friendship talk and they sort of fall asleep, kind of cuddling. And they each both have moments where they're just looking at the other going, I just want to wrap my lips around her. <laughs> like, I'm and so like, in love with her, but we're friends and I but don't we're friends. fuck that up. And like, she's like one woman is looking at through, like, looking at the other one, and just like oh, I can see her nipples, and I want to reach over and just touch the nipples, <laughs> but I shouldn't do but that. Shouldn't and do that. and both of them have like in their narration in their minds like moments where they've had like sexual moments with men and women, mm-hmm. and uh, where they found joy, and so so they're also not like. <laughs> just discovering that they have these sexual feelings for someone of the same sex like mm-hmm. that they, they've both accepted this as part of them whether or not they want to pursue it at any given time for mm-hmm. any reason they both accept this as who they are as people which i think was also perfect so then mm-hmm. they get together later after they've both had sex within oh. a wonderful lovely sex scene they've had sex with each other they get together great. later and meg is and they find out that james is courting both of them and they're like we got to get back ah it's so good so they bring him to meg's home which is a cute little apartment in a and rough part of town in a very rough part of town which will come up later mm-hmm uh, so, so she's like, hello, James. And he's like, hey. And then he looks and there is, there is Sarah. And she's like, sup. And he's like, fuck. <laughs> and his mind just like is blown. At which point they confront him. And then they tell him to shut up, sit down. They tie him to the chair and they have sex with each other in front of him. Oh my God. <laughs> and it is a super hot scene that does not and like at no point does it feel like they are doing this for his pleasure. It is not no. from his viewpoint. Mm-mm. They forget he is there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's de- it's definitely to like sort of rub his face in it. Like that's the motivation. But also at the same time, they're like, this is so much fun. And like it's kind of more fun that there's an audience because they're both into him too. But then also they're having fun with each other. It was great. It right. was so and, good. And then they turn to him and Sarah, who's, you know, gotten a little bit of adventure in her now that she's done this, is is just like, all right. And she whips it out and she blows him right there mm. in a really fucking sexy scene. Like <sighs> so many, good. so many of the um, fellatio scenes that we've had in mm-hmm. these different books have been prescriptive, mm-hmm. I want to say, or they've been fine. Or non-existent. Or non-existent. And honestly, even in the books written by gay men, I have not felt the penis described 
in such a sensual way all the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and honestly, like, this one, I was like, oh, no. I think you could take blow take blowjob tips from this particular mm-hmm. section of the book. Yep. 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 But another thing, too, that I mentioned, I think it was in our last episode, that there's so many books that's just like, oh, it's just so good that they only lasted for, like, three pumps or whatever. So the scenes are very short. These sex scenes, multiple sex scenes, pages. Chapters, sometimes chapters. Pages, chapters of sex scenes that are just, like, really well done. And not only that, like, in some of these, in one of the scenes where they're all three having sex with each other, like, and... Like right away, they're like, "Can you please us both?" And he's like, "I don't know. <laughs> I honestly do not know. He's I'm like, gonna try. I'll sure as hell try. He's and like, I'm gonna die trying. <laughs> like, this is my challenge, and I am going forth. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I thought it also realistically sort of described that particular challenge. It wasn't like that. He's just so good he could fuck two ladies for three mm-hmm. hours. It was 100% that. Oh, he had." to calm down like he had to be like okay (laughs) nope cannot go further Mm -hmm. cannot cannot go further and and not only that he's like okay i'm gonna eat her out in part because i need to i I need this whole business to calm down (laughs) something that i appreciated too because we have like four four sex scenes in this book maybe more is that like each one is sort of focused on a different person yeah. That it's like they sort of take turns being the center of attention. That was really great. And then also something that this book conveyed really well, having participated in a threesome or two, this idea of just like, oh, you feel a hand on a part of your body and you don't know whose hand it is. And that's kind of sexy. It's like, <laughs> it doesn't matter whose hand it is because we're all having so much fun came across multiple times in this book. It was it was very well done. I, I can't help but compare it to Planet Glacerus where there's the threesome scene where it's just like these, you know, our main guy and this alien did this thing and then we're just going to ignore that while he did this thing with this other alien even though they were happening at the same time. We're just not yeah. going to, like, we can only focus on one person at a time. This book handled multiple people in the boudoir very well. Yes. No, absolutely agreed. And I, and each sex scene, too, also built with the plot. Like, mm-hmm. it was part of the entire storytelling. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it like, it did feel like it was like, this is, now it's time for a sex scene to happen here. Mm-hmm. It did feel that way, but it also felt like as part of the growth of these characters, mm-hmm. which was great. Um <laughs> Okay, so, but speaking of plot and speaking of how mm-hmm. the story moves forward, Sorry. so they agree to sort of have this, like, you know, they don't know what to call it. Like, they're mm-hmm. like, I guess there's the three of us now, and they're not quite sure how to deal with it, but they're going to work it out. So there's a lot of things they have to think about, but there's a lot of societal rules that they have to think about. Sarah's job is very demanding. She doesn't have time to just leave whenever she wants to. Meg is between mm-hmm. jobs. So, in fact, she's bored all the time. And, in mm-hmm. fact, would be preferring to just have sex this entire break before her next job starts. 
<laughs> and James, on the other hand, has an important job, but he also kind of builds his own hours. Mm-hmm. So he's <laughs> a little I, bit in between. Yeah. Can I read a very quick passage? Yes, please. Um, after the this, the first sex scene with James, where he sort of gets confronted and then you know, Meg and Sarah do their thing and then they involve him and they're sort of like, this is what you get for lying to us. And he's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I think it's shortly after that. Somebody says, for now, we three court together and in three pairs and see what gifts honesty may bring. And they're like, we're just going to talk about it. We're just going to talk about this relationship. And I'm like, yes, 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 yes. But then... Immediately, it shows that that's hard. Oh, obviously. And that that's not easy. And I mm-hmm. really liked that. Mm-hmm. And I liked that. So one of the things that we talk a lot about is jealousy and how these books deal with jealousy. Mm-hmm. And I know we're going to get into that a lot in um, Heart and Hand. Crap. Heart and Hand. But I thought the way that this book dealt with jealousy was better than most books. Because mm-hmm. it's not just that I'm looking at you spending time with her and I'm jealous of that. It's like... I'm looking at you spending time with her and I'm wondering if that means I'm not meant to be in this new type of relationship that I don't know the rules about. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how to even talk about that because I've never talked about that with anybody before. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like this is Mm -hmm. new territory. My jealousy isn't just plain. Look, another bitch. I wonder if I should Mm -hmm. hate her. (laughs) It is more about like, there's two people I love. Mm-hmm. And, it, and and all three of them felt this way. All yep. three of them were like, these two people by themselves would make an excellent couple. Why am I yes. getting in the way? Mm-hmm. The jumping ahead of it after the after the whole uh, harrowing experience of the brothel, which we have to talk about. There's a bit where James, Meg, and Sarah have to have a conversation about what they're going to do. And we spend a moment in each of their heads and Meg has the thought of, well, obviously he's go- he can only marry one of us. I've told him I don't want to be married. And he has said to both of us that Sarah would make a better wife. So obviously he's going to marry Sarah. And then mm-hmm. I'm just going to have to figure something out. And then we jump into Sarah's head and it was like, well, he made beautiful underwear for Meg because at this point he had he made some for Sarah but hasn't had a chance to give it to her yet. So she's like, "Well, he made beautiful underwear for Meg." And then also at the end when they were like, "Oh, everybody's safe," he kissed her in front of his sister and not me and hasn't mentioned to his younger sister that he's sort of uh I don't want to say in charge of but responsible for because their parents are dead. That as far as Sarah's concerned, and this is this is also true that like James has not mentioned to the sister that Sarah is a candidate for marriage. So from Sarah's point of view, it's like, well, obviously he's going to pick Meg. And it just like it, it I was like, uh, it made sense why they would think that way. I'm like, okay, they are thinking of things that as far as they know are true. So it makes sense 
that they that they would think this way and it wasn't even jealousy it was like well he has to marry one of us so these are the reasons why i think he's going to marry the other woman well and And, i think it wasn't jealousy to be okay with that i think it wasn't jealousy the way we normally think about it because we think about it as a green-eyed monster that only brings like you know like irrational hate feelings Mm -hmm. but i i feel like this like sometimes it did make them angsty at each other mm-hmm. when they wouldn't even though their underlying feeling is i'm the one who needs to leave yeah so mm-hmm. and I, you know and that comes back to like the show don't tell aspect of this like mm-hmm. so we see that these you know this troubled places that they came from both the you know both sarah and meg are orphans who were raised by someone who is not their parent but who is a very kind guardian mm-hmm. um after coming from very troubled homes and so they have this shared oh. sort of trauma and rebuild together mm-hmm. and james doesn't have that kind of trauma mm-hmm. his parents died close to each other but when he was an adult mm-hmm. so he kind of has a basis to deal with that and even though he's not higher in society, he also has had a lot of privilege. Doesn't and, say this. It doesn't underline mm-hmm. it. It's all in how they act mm-hmm. and the things that they do and the way that they treat each other and the, yeah. the why they keep secrets. Also, beyond that, his parents were so obviously in love with each yeah. other when that was not true of Sarah or Meg. And it, yeah, that all as you're saying, it all comes across in their behavior of just like the things... The things that James takes for granted because of his privilege as a man of coming from a certain amount of money, of coming from a home where he had two parents who loved each other and all that. And just sort of the assumptions that he makes that he has to be dispelled of by these two women who are like, oh, let me tell you how the world actually works. Right. But without saying like, like, but without saying like rah, rah women or rah, Mm -hmm. rah, you're privileged or any Mm -hmm. of any, any of that, it just shows us. (laughs) And in his, so good. I know it was so good. Like in this really delightful way. Um, so very quickly, I'm just going to hit plot Sorry. points and then we'll come back. So what ends up happening is they have this huge blowout fight for very good reasons. One of my favorite things. So James has taken so justified. It, it did. So Ugh. James takes his sister, Cicely and uh, Meg out with him on a picnic. And Cicely's like thinking to herself, like, they're going to get married. These two are getting married. That's when he gives uh, Meg the underwear. And it's all very charming. She goes off to sort of like not change into it because it's it's a very specific piece that I can't remember the name of. Anyway, so she goes off behind a tree to look for it, to, to put it in. And james and his sister start talking and she's 16 and she starts saying what if she could be an actress and james flips out he's sort of like mm-hmm. absolutely not no sister of mine is going to is going to do that basically kind of like you know that this is an underclass thing that that's a dirty profession you know he has actually very good points about the profession yes. of acting but he's also pretty judgmental about it. And Meg overhears everything and is like, what the fuck? How could you say you like me and not even understand why I picked this profession at all? So he's, uh, so she's really pissed. She runs to Sarah to tell Sarah all the terrible things that just happened. But it's Meg whose emotions are too big, who doesn't think things out beforehand. 
So she goes and complains to Sarah. Sarah is like, oh, who's always having to clean up after Meg. And then James, who comes in and is like, but she doesn't understand, like throws this at Sarah. And Sarah's like, well, I guess neither of you respect my profession either or understand. Like, I can't just fucking leave it. And, you know, both of you think that I'm not, I'm, you know, like these different things. And they blame James. And that like this, this fight between the three of them is full of backstory, mm -hmm. full of emotions, full of need, full of angst at each other because they all feel like they don't belong in this thruple. All of them feeling like anger and angst and they separate. James comes home super sad and upset, not sure what to do. And Cicely's like, oh, I can fix it. I'm just going to go find Meg and I'm going to tell her that James is great and it's fine. All sh so she finds the address <laughs> that James mm -hmm. has for Meg, which is in a shit part of town. Real wherein she is kidnapped by a by a whoremonger <laughs> mm -hmm. the who is like uh, who has been after Meg the whole book and Meg mm -hmm. has been like, get the fuck away from me, dude. And he's like, well, then I'm just going to take this little thing. And uh, Meg finds out and is like, fuck, this is all my fault. <laughs> and she and her amazingly book for love interest uh, uh, friend <laughs> go and she's, Meg's like, we got to storm the castle. We got to get that, that, get that girl. And, and Grace, Grace uh, who is the best. an amazing woman of color, is like, Meg what are you getting me into now <laughs> um so they go uh james finds out what's happening he gets sarah and he's like sarah we have to we have to figure this shit out and sarah's like okay but i still hate you for very specific reasons he's like hate me later save my sister now <laughs> so they go storm uh they go storm in the brothel uh wherein we have oh God. the best and longest fight scene we have read from any of these books <laughs> It was, it was, it was very good. And it was from like two different points, like, because they're oh, all trying to save her and like, so there's a fire, there's gunshots, there's backfires, there's, there's knives, there's swords. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh there is and then they burn the brothel down it is amazing <laughs> and then they burn the brothel down and then they burn the brothel down <sighs> and they make they it back do to make james sure to, to rescue all the women in it first they, they, they rescue all the doors all of the women and it is so satisfying and so much fun it's like errol flynn but it's like all of them are errol flynn's but they're <laughs> also true. but they're I also as talented as they would be like James, mm -hmm. even though he's a muscular man uh, who knows how to sword fight and knows how to hold guns fucks up all the time mm -hmm. because it's a fucking fight. And those are hard to do, mm -hmm. especially against multiple people who, who do this for a living. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't just like idiot henchmen. These were guys who knew what was up. Mm -hmm. I did like it when they got near the end and one of the henchmen was like, fuck this, I'm out. Good luck, guys. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this place is on fire. I gotta go. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, and they get back to James's house where James mends fences. They all mend fences. There's a mm -hmm. moment they're not all sure what's gonna happen. James proposes to both of them in a very gentlemanly way. Uh, they tell the truth to his sister. His sister at first is weirded out and then totes on board and very happy for everybody. Mm -hmm. And then uh, 
our threesome has fantastic sex mm-hmm. and they live happily ever after it's so lovely and he has two different rings from his mother and he gives like the wedding band to uh sarah because he mm-hmm. proposes to her and then oh i look there was a okay so there's a point where meg is like marriage is dumb i don't want to do that and then sort of over the course of the book, it felt like it was going to be people telling James, like, oh, you actually believed her when she said that? That was dumb of you, because that's not what ladies want. And I was like, fucking really? But then at the end, when he makes this proposal and he says, like, Sarah, I want you to be my wife. And Meg, like, you don't want to be married, do you? And just like, no, I don't. I never want to be married. And I was like, yes, 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 yes. So then Meg is sort of like... So James becomes her patron and that he like puts her up in an apartment because it comes from money. And then he's sort of like, yeah, you'll just be both of our mistresses and everybody's on board with it. And I was like, fucking fantastic. Yes. We finally, finally, finally we get a woman who says, I never want to get married. And that's actually true. Yes. Oh, it's. Every it's true, and she still gets love, and she and still she gets, still that gets everything that she wants and deserves. Because... And one of my favorite parts of this book, mm-hmm. she, we get to her little apartment that she has that she absolutely loves mm-hmm. because she can put her laundry wherever she wants, meaning she can just <laughs> take it off. And like, who fucking cares if it's on the floor? It's her goddamn apartment. And I was like, yes, as a lady who does like putting laundry away in a basket, mm-hmm. I live for people's rights to live however they want. And so I was excited <laughs> about it. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Busk. It was a busk. A busk. Oh, oh God. I've, been, oh, I've definitely so... been listening, but I've also been Googling it this whole time. A busk. A busk. Everybody a... look yeah, look up a busk. So it is like this piece, usually wood. Uh, wood that goes... or ivory. That's sort of like, it kind of looks like a ruler. And it goes down the front of the stay that also sticks up a bit. So it goes between the breasts so as to separate them. Yeah, and the article I read on it was that this was an exceptionally intimate gift when mm-hmm. a male, a man, a husband or a suitor gave it to a woman because he'd have to know what her size was. Mm-hmm. Um, it would, it's something that goes from stay to stay. So if you have several stays, like this is something that you would move, you would, it's you would move from stay to stay. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just in one of them. Um, and it also like forces your body upright. So you, you feel it the whole time. You mm-hmm. will never not feel this. And so what James does is he, um, he etches whalebone, uh, mm-hmm. and it's one for each of them, one for each of them in the ways that they would like. Mm. And it does sound very romantic. Um, but yeah, it was, I can't say enough good things about this book. I, we could talk. We could talk for two episodes about this book. It's so good. It was so good. But uh, so it makes me want to read the first one in the series as well. I, I know, I, honestly. So, anyway, so that was "She Whom I Love" by Tess Bowery. Oh, so good. So good. Heart and Hand: Interracial Mail Order Bride, Gold Sky, Book One by Rebel Carter. 
It doesn't take long for Julie Baptiste to realize she yearns for more than the non-stop engagements and niceties dictated by the New York High Society. So she decides to do something bold and answers an advertisement for a mail-order bride in Gold Sky, Montana. Ex-Union soldiers Forrest Wicks and William Barnes have been inseparable since the war. They share everything, including the desire to find a wife, a woman who is willing to marry them both and provide the isolated town with much-needed teacher. When Julie arrives in Montana, the three of them must figure out how to navigate the boundaries of their new lives. Can Forrest and Will come together to provide what Julie needs and protect the heart of the woman who has made her way intimately into theirs? And how will a debutante-turned-teacher manage frontier life with two husbands? Heart in Hand is romantic, passionate, interracial, interracial, <laughs> interracial, Good. We're keeping this because this is insane. Interracial, male, female, male, romance, book one in the Gold Sky series. Oh my God. <laughs> Neil, how was this interracial book? Girl. <laughs> Girl. Okay, you you read a bit about like can Will and Forrest keep her heart or whatever? They don't give a fucking shit. Okay. Okay. The, oh, the okay, this book. <laughs> <sighs> so the the very beginning of this book, the sort of the prologue is the ad placed in a publication called Heart and Hand. Uh-huh. That basically is like, hey, I'm looking for a wife out in the Montana Territory who, uh, uh, looking for a wife for an unconventional situation. And, you know, like, I, you know, I make good money, so you'll be comfortable. And ideally, we're also looking for a schoolmistress, so somebody to be the teacher in the town. I mean, it's kind of great. So, young lady does not need to be proficient in cooking or housekeeping. Town is in need of a teacher, not a cook. Only a highly educated woman with patience and mental fortitude to run a schoolhouse will be considered. And then it also says that who, whoever this woman is will get to keep any money that she makes from teaching. Yeah. So, it's like an independent income. Great. Okay. So I was like, great. How very progressive. Wonderful. And then we cut to Julie, who is, she lives in New York. She is of the upper echelons of New York. Apparently, she's only a few deaths away from the throne of Spain. Because, yeah. you know, whatever. <laughs> and not only that, but she went to Vassar to learn to be a teacher. So she is not only educated, but it knows how to educate people. And then also she's like, well, I'm mixed race and don't want to put up with snobby rich people in New York anymore. This sounds like a great idea. I'm just going to go do it. And she does. And I'm like, love it. I love everything about this. Julie, step out on your own girl, go make that money. Get away from these snobby rich people. Go to the frontier. Do it. All of it. Wonderful. Love it. 
And then, I don't know, three chapters in, I'm like, this is garbage. This is, <laughs> I hate this. I hate this situation. Honestly, the first couple of chapters, too, I was like totally in it. Wanted to see what would happen. Totally on Let me just say, having, <laughs> I've read a couple of mail order bride books. Uh, mm-hmm. We read one already. Um, Which was uh, that was like the doctor, the yeah, yeah. the prairie doctor's wife. Shit, no, that wasn't mail order. Well, it wasn't strictly mail order. It was, it was, it was girls so, come like, in off a train and then we all bid for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Out on the frontier. Which is bloody, bloody same sort of sense. Sure, like sure, the sure. same sort of, and kind of one of the tropes. So there's several tropes that I expected when I was mm-hmm. reading this. One is that... It is difficult to get used to living out on the frontier. Mm -hmm. Like, it is not easy. This is not an easy life at all. And when you get to a six bedroom house. (sighs) Right. Okay. Okay. So that trope didn't exist in that. Okay. I just have to, I just have to point out, this is the dumbest thing, but it caught me so hard. These men have so much fucking money and it uh, like, they're like, oh, we'll go to town and we'll buy you whatever we want, whatever you want. The thing that epitomized it the most, and the writer was just like, oh yeah, this is no big deal. On her first morning there in the house, Forrest makes her crepes with chocolate, strawberries, and bananas. Yep. I mean, strawberries I buy. I don't know a lot about strawberries. If somebody was like, oh yeah, strawberries grow wild in Montana, I'd believe them chocolate uh, i can see yeah okay out in the out on the frontier if you saved up a bit of money you could get some chocolate or like held it for a long time like if you were yeah, just yeah, like yeah, yeah, saving yeah. it I, you you get it in the like hard packed little disc and then you sort of melt it to do what you want sure, sure, sure. fucking bananas bananas absolutely not fresh bananas nope, in montana, montana in absolutely the late not. 1800s no, these men have I mean, so much goddamn money. But no, it's more than that, Neil. Uh, sh- there's a bookstore. There's a <laughs> bookstore in this there's town. So, so in <laughs> in, in our there's other a, there's, a, there's a boarding house. There's a boarding house, but there's a bookstore <sighs> wherein she buys books for all the students. Um, no. As if one, they would have all the copies of uh, enough copies for every as, student. As if all of these students had been taught to read. Well, no. You know what? I'm going to give them taught to read. I'm going to give them taught to read. I'm not. <laughs> also, she walks in and she's like, okay, everyone turn to page 57 of your arithmetic book. I was like, she, there's 57 she, pages? Also, no, also no. She, there's no talk of her finding out about what they have learned already. So she has no idea where they are in the book. Okay, no. And so, Neil, you and I grew up in the Southwest. You and I grew up in the Southwest. So we've been Well, I don't consider California the Southwest, but... Well, but that part, that part is... I mean, it's definitely like frontier area. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At one point. The missions. Yeah, you and I have been to old schoolhouses. Like, on field trips or whatever, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. what are we always shown? Slate boards. Mm-hmm. That's like the number one thing because they're mm-hmm. fucking cheap and you know and nobody and re- had fuck and pencil reusable. and paper to write on. No. no, 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 no. Like the only reason Abraham Lincoln's had like books of his own was because his father like worked super hard to get them. Like 
him and he had to mm-hmm. travel like forever and they still lived closer than Wyoming. I was like, okay. And then the pencils. She bought pencils for everybody. No. Now, so this this is what I mean by trusting the narrative when it comes to this historical stuff. I had to look up when pencils were invented because mm-hmm. I was like, were there fucking pencils? And there absolutely were. Was, were they in the frontier of Montana before it was even a fucking state? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> no. Maybe the one rich person. Uh, this whole town was apparently rich. And then oh. we get to uh, the guy who's building all their furniture, whose name is Stark. And then I was like, wait a minute. William Barnes. And then I thought about their descriptions. And holy shit, Forrest Wilkes and William Barnes are just straight up Captain America and Bucky Barnes. Like, 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 like in how built they are, in their character types, and who's mm-hmm. angsty and who's not, who's like the all American and trusting and who's not, their eye color, that they're both like from the war, and that William Barnes was more injured and more like. And, and more and I was like holy shit she just took the and which is fine I don't mind that but it was so obviously just the template from Marvel <laughs> but also okay yeah go do that but do it well and like not in a situation where they treat this woman like she's an idiot and a toddler at the same time and we're gonna get into it I just like I have been full of bile since I have read this book and I need to shoot it out at all of you. Go for it. To let you know about how how awful the situation is for poor fucking Julie. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. Go ahead. I, did, I think did, I, did you have a thought that you needed to finish? I, I think I need to hear your thoughts. I have. I never once thought in my head, poor fucking Julie, except f- uh, uh, there were certain points where I started to but honestly, no. Okay. Like, okay. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Let's let's talk about it. Okay. So she shows up in Montana. The Montana Territory. It is not a state. It it is the frontier. So she shows up, and she has she has had a correspondence with Forrest Wicks. Wikes? Wicks. Probably Yeah, Wicks, I think it's Wicks. Even though there's an E in there. She's had a correspondence with him o- over a certain period of time. To the point that I was like, okay, like, it, it is still a risk. And she recognized that. But they had enough of a back and forth. They'd written enough letters to each other that she was like, I think this is worth pursuing. And I, I bought that. I was like, okay, sure. So she shows up at the train station. And there's nobody there. And she's like, oh, what do I do? And then the the conductor and the porter are both like, we can't. You're obviously rich and a lady. We just, we can't leave you here outside of Butte. It's a shithole. And then she hears a gunfight in the background. And she's like, fucking, what am I going to do? Forrest shows up. He is big, broad, blonde, blue-eyed, and it's just like, I am so sorry. And he has a share of spadge, because of course. He's like, I'm so sorry. We had to deal with some stuff. I meant to be here on time. I'm so very sorry. Gentlemen, thank you for looking after her, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like, oh, he's very nice. He's very lovely. Wonderful. Great. And then some other guy shows up. This guy named Will. They obviously know each other. And it's just like, okay, sure, whatever. 
And then they have this conversation and she's like, oh, I agreed to marry both of them. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I feel that I am missing a step here. No, she knew. Like it says so. That's one of the cliffhangers. Like one of the cliffhangers is little did my parents know that I'd, uh, I'd agreed to marry two men. No, she, okay. No, because later... He's no, like, she oh, says yeah. no. She might no, listen. She, no, 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 no. You listen. Okay. <laughs> she says she still might. Uh, uh, she still might if her secret ever came to light, which was that she, the heiress of the esteemed Baptiste family, uh, hadn't simply agreed to be bride for the sake of teaching in a position and the adventure of the frontier to one man. She'd agreed to do it with two. Yes, but also there was a point where. They were like, oh, yeah, we both wrote letters to you. And she's like, oh, I had no idea. She had no idea that Will existed. So no, I, she had no idea that he was participating in the letter writing. There was not. Okay. There was Which nothing, I agree is bullshit. There was nothing to indicate to me that she knew that there were two men. Because when, when Will shows up, she's like, who's this guy? And she doesn't have the thought, like, oh, is this the other guy? It's only after they say, like, they talk as if they're like, oh, yeah, we're all about to go get married right now. That she's like, oh, I guess I'm marrying two guys. So I believe that there are two different drafts of this book that have been smooshed together. And there's a there's a weird rift that was never smoothed over because it never felt to me and it was never stated that Julie willingly decided to marry two men at the same time. I, I disagree. I feel like it was all, there was a lot in there. There was a lot in there before then that, uh, that, 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 that was, it was part of the letter writing that even. Well, no, cause she never, Will she had, never mentioned Will at all. She's like, oh, I'm meeting Mr. Wicks, Forrest Wicks. I've had this correspondence with Mr. Wicks. I want to call I will Forrest. say. She didn't I, even I will, mention Will. I will say, I think the writing is bad. I yes. agree. But I yeah, disagree that the way I was reading it, that she absolutely knew that she was marrying two well, people. See, she was just keeping it a secret. It seems to me that there is a draft where she knew the whole time, but then also this first section she didn't know. And there's a weird section that should have smoothed that over that didn't happen. I guess uh, I'm just going to go with a it's poorly written but yes. the writer did think she was writing that in. Okay. Because so I got then... that. Because as I was reading it, I got it. Like, I'm not pulling this out of thin air. I thought that that was in there. See, I thought it came out of absolutely nowhere. So it was oh. not written well either way. So then they go and get married. Apparently the town is all on board. And on the f one hand, I'm like, fucking what? On the other hand, I'm like, listen, if you are living out on the frontier, it is for a reason. So sure, whatever. The Will and Forrest are both the sheriffs of, is it Gold Sky? Yeah. And the, su the, su the surrounding areas. Although and I like the idea that there's some other body that has assigned them this task when in fact, like you could pretty much assign yourself a sheriff of somewhere that was like a territory. Like they're like, they won't let us have no guns in the town. Like we have, to, one of us has to be there. And I was like, who's they? <laughs> there's no fucking governing bodies. <laughs> so apparently they're both sheriffs at go in gold sky. And, um, the town is just like, oh, yeah, they, they both want to marry the same woman. Great. 
we're all on board, except not everyone's on board, of course. Sure, that makes sense, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so then she goes, and they're like, yeah, we're going to go into town and get married right away. And she's like, uh, okay. So then they go and they have the wedding, and this is very important. Will dances with some other woman. And she's like, uh, okay. So then they go back to their six-bedroom ranch house that is also completely empty. <laughs> she's like, y'all didn't figure this out. And they're like, yeah, we thought that you'd want to do it. And she's like, I do. Okay, thanks. Okay, so then... Okay. Okay. So then the the two men prior to this were like, well, this is her first time having sex. They may have assumed this. She may have mentioned it in a letter. I don't know. Yeah, because we like, didn't get okay, a hint of well, any we're of those going letters. To focus on Nope. Um, they're like, okay, so this is going to be like about her. Like tonight is going to be about us, like making her feel comfortable about like what she wants to have happen, et cetera, et cetera. And then, and then the whole sex scene is they're like, this is about what you want. And she's like, okay, I'd love to do this. And they're like, no, this is about what you want. And she's like, yeah, but I want to do this to you. And they're like, no, this is about what you want. I'm like, fucking what? So there's a point. I just have to read this passage. Can I hold you? Forrest asked her, kissing her cheek when she frowned at Forrest. Julie sighed and made to reach for Will again. But I just, and that's her wanting to like jerk him off or something. Tonight was about your pleasure, Will said, cutting her off. Yeah. So they're not even letting her talk about what she wants. And they're like, no, it's about you. And she's like, but I'd like to. No, 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 no. Shh. It's about you. And what you want. I want to I'm just like fucking what? What yeah. is happening? Like how I like okay. And the thing that how I thought does they were the building writer to... not see the problem that is happening right now. Right. And the thing that I thought they were building to here was that these two men have sex with each other and mm-hmm. wanted to bring her into that and were trepidatious about mm-hmm. how she would feel about that. Mm-hmm. Like ha- like maybe she was fine with marrying both of us, but how is she going to feel about us having sex mm-hmm. with each other with her? Like, like that could be iffy who knows. And so like, I thought, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. That may be something you need to slow roll for some, somebody totally. Uh, that is not it. Like they're literally nope. just worried about, um, well, they're worried about two things. One, they're worried about her first time and mm-hmm. making sure it's something that's good, which FYI, she was ready. And as you say, and- like, and the other thing that they're worried about is, I, I just keep wanting to call him Bucky. The, the other thing that they're worried about is that Will is going to be too rough because mm-hmm. he likes it rough. And I, I I don't mean to say he likes it rough. I mean he blacks out during sex and has rough sex with whatever body is underneath him, <laughs> and he doesn't want to do that to her on her first night out. <laughs> Which there's fair. Oh <laughs> there's um another part where she's he's basically like. Okay, yeah, On uh, along those lines, so there's a part where, so their first night, they just sort of, like, they, they, they get her off, and then they call it a night, sure, whatever, and then a little bit later, Forrest and Julie are alone, 
And then she's like, I fucking want you. And he's like, I want you too. And then he fucks her. And then they go downstairs and she sees Will and was like, so did you two have fun? And Julie, like, it's like, oh, shit. We probably should have talked about this. I should. We're all in a relationship together. I should have checked in with Will before I had sex with Forrest to make sure that was okay. And I'm like, yeah, that's perfectly fair. And then the two men are like, nah, we decided that Forrest would fuck you first. And I'm like, sure, make decisions for her. That's absolutely fine. And then when she's like, why? He's like, well, I get kind of rough. And she's like, well, I don't think I'd mind. And he's like, well, I would. It's like, oh, so you're you're just never going to let her dictate the pace of the sex never that's fine you never decided what she wants and that's just what you're gonna do for her fine and then of course the whole time it's sort of like I, I understand the fantasy of the have your cake and eat it too where forest is very nice and kind of nurturing and there and like the sort of person that you should want to end up with but then will is like sort of like D- tall dark and handsome and sort of like standoffish and like oh what's inside him and oh he likes it rough so it's like oh we have the nice husband and the bad boy husband and they both love you and they both express that love in different ways and like okay perfectly understand that i i i understand that fantasy and i understand that's like okay sure we can have that happen but then okay okay so julie goes to teach and then she comes, she's walking home because they make a point of saying, oh, the school because the, the... Oh, I, f- I fucking hated this part so uh, goddamn much. The, they make a point of saying that she can walk from school yeah, to yeah, yeah, the yeah. house so and back the and town, forth. There's the town, the town proper, and then a little bit outside of that is the schoolhouse, and then a little bit past that is the ranch house. So they have the carriage, the men sort of like go into town every day for work, but they're like, oh no, you can walk to the schoolhouse. It's within walking distance. They say it's like a, a 30 minute walk or whatever. And and she makes, she's like, oh my God, the scenery is so very beautiful. I'm so excited to make this walk every day. And then on her first day, when she's like, I've not looked at any lesson plans, children of all ages, turn to page 57 of your arithmetic book. I don't fucking know what you know. I'm going to teach you now. And then she starts walking home and she gets caught in the rain and there's a bit of a storm. And she's like, well, shit, I didn't, I wasn't prepared for this and I want to fucking go home. So I'm just going to go home and then I'll, you know, take care. She gets home and Forrest sees that she comes home wet and got caught in the rain. And he was, he fucking flips out at her and he basically expected her to like wait at the schoolhouse for him to pick her up and he says like you're not in new york anymore women here know better than to get caught out in the rain and it's just like okay okay i don't know Uh, forest i don't know if you've been to new york they've they have storms in new york claire famously has over only ever been to new york twice (laughs) and both times have been caught in a hurricane in new york they have weather in new york and so then he's like, "How d- you need to get out of those wet clothes right now!" As if she wasn't going to do it already, and he gets mad at her. He's mad at her he's for so having mad. walked home in the rain. And well, then she's like, "And this and particular she- part, I do want to say, like, this whole section is based on a trope 
in this mm-hmm. type of book that you see all, often. I where, love you so much. I want to take care of you that I get mad at you for like well, a slight inconvenience. Sure. Well, no, the trope is like, and again, this book is badly written. Like this Mm -hmm. is a badly realized, like the the author didn't understand the trope because this is where our show don't tell stuff should come in is that these are two people who've never been married before. Like he's a man who's never actually like neither of them have had relationships with other people. So what's supposed to happen is that he had certain expectations that he didn't know how to verbalize. Mm -hmm. She had expectations that she didn't know how to verbalize. She's a free spirit. He's somebody who has very specific needs and is taciturn and didn't talk about them enough. They do have an argument over, over unmet expectations. And then through that, they have a shared, like either, it breaks them up for a little bit longer wherein they have to continue like trying to live together because now they're married and there's a fear there that you have stuck yourself with an unreasonable and awful person and like and then you have to sort of rebuild the relationship and you both learn where you Mm -hmm. like he realizes that his like outburst like say if this had happened in another book was incorrect and wrong Mm -hmm. And she'll realize why he did it. And, like, that's what the trope is supposed to be. And that's not what ended up happening. (laughs) This is, like, a bad way to do a trope. Yeah. Like, she's kind of like, okay, calm down. Like, it's not that big of a deal. And then he, like, grabs her. And it's like, get out of those wet clothes. It's it like it was alarming. I it was. felt that she was unsafe in that situation. I also felt she was unsafe in that situation, but I also there was a moment where I was like, "But he's, I mean, why are you picking this moment to like? I mean, not that you should capitulate to an abuser. I'm not saying you should do that. What I'm saying is, why is she picking this particular fight? You should get out of your wet clothes." And, and I think she had the right to fight him. I'm not saying she didn't, mm-hmm. Neil. I, I feel like you're thinking I agree with the moment, and that oh, is no, not no, true. No. She definitely <laughs> was like, well, you're telling me to do something, so I'm not going to do it to show you, even right. though she was going to do it anyway, but, and which again, is like, what teenagers like, do. Yeah, and, and this, like... Like, I would have preferred her to be like, I will take off my own clothes, my own time, get the fuck away from me, rather Mm -hmm. than like, I can leave on my wet clothes as long as I want. Like, I didn't understand. Like, I was like, yeah, girl, you're from New York. You know wet clothes is bad. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, we're not all new. What the fuck? Everyone everyone here knows wet clothes is bad and a fever could kill you. So, like, what? Uh, so, okay. so why the author picked that for moment for her to dig in her heels and no other moment in the book? Not a single one. Yeah, like, uh, it made every no other sense argument, to me. Everything was her fault, even when it wasn't. Oh my god! Although okay. I will say this is a bad use of jealousy. This book, like, like you show up at a, at a ranch and a man you've never met before has a previous relationship with another woman that you don't know the full thrust of yeah girl get the fuck over it you don't get to be automatically jealous of your second husband who may have other relationships okay but no okay we need to talk about rosemary yeah let's talk about rosemary so rosemary is a denizen of gold sky 
Golden Sky, Gold Sky, wherever. Gold Sky. She works. She works at the newspaper, and she obviously is in love with Will. And oh she my god, wants it's to insane. Him so bad. And the thing is that they're like, from his point of view, they're very good friends. Like they do have a close platonic relationship. And then there are situations where like he he behaves he's in some ways more closed off to Julie than he is to Rosemary. And Forrest is like, that's just how he is. You got to give him time to warm up, et cetera, et cetera. And then it's like, okay, like I can kind of get why Julie would be jealous in this situation. Sure. And then Rosemary, especially because it's so obvious, like Rosemary makes it obvious to Julie from the beginning. I'm going to steal your man. And then she has this conversation that she's like, Oh yeah, he's told me that he reminds that I remind him of his dead wife. So obviously that's what he wants. You should just let him go. Oh, also they considered me for the thing, but like I just want Will not Forrest, so that's why it's not going to work out. So obviously you need to let Will go and like let me be with him cuz I remind him of his dead wife. And then Okay. Well, and then when Julie, Julie confronts them, okay. Will Julie, treats Julie like she's a fucking moron for even considering being jealous of Rosemary, even though he never tells her like, "Oh yeah, she's my friend." And then Julie's like, "Oh, is it because she reminds you of your dead wife?" And then Will's like, "How fucking do you know about my dead goddamn wife?" Fucking what? Fucking what? It's like, oh, so Will was never going to tell her about the dead wife and then gets mad at her for and finding was Forrest, out about a thing apparently. that he didn't tell her. And, and like <sighs> Forrest, like every time, every time Julie confronts them, which is often every mm-hmm. time Julie confronts them, it's mm-hmm. like, hey, mm-hmm. who's this Rosemary person? Why is she hanging around so close? They're like, oh, no reason. She just hangs around and we don't want to talk about it. Like, oh, everything's fine. You know, don't worry about it. You're an idiot for even questioning it. it. And we don't want to talk about it like every <sighs> fucking time. And I was like, obviously, this is a big mm-hmm. deal. And at this point in the book where Rosemary has let on about the, the dead wife, like all of these other things have happened. The dumbest thing, like I kept thinking, I was like, one, I actually do not understand why these two men wanted a one wife between them. Like, I don't know. I seriously don't know. Like, uh, I thought it was because Will oh, couldn't be around it- anybody else, but that seems untrue it explains it explains it claire it's because of the war oh it's because of the war because and of it, the war not a good enough explanation <laughs> and then what? and then this occurred to me i was like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute so the way the author had obviously written this was that these two gentlemen were in the civil war and then was like i want my main character to be a woman of color and was like oh i think i also want her to be like the daughter of an ex-slave who met her husband uh, during the civil war and she's like yes and Mm -hmm. then later she was like oh shit I think these love interest men are too old <laughs> because if our girl uh-huh. is in her, tw- is in her twenties, <laughs> if her parents were in the civil war, right. Oh, so they're no. 20 years what older than done? her. And so she's like, no, no, no. So they lied to get into the civil war. So they were 13 when they signed up to fight. So these two 
mm-hmm. babies signed up for the Civil War together. And I was like, ah. And people believed that they were like 18. Yeah. And, and then at the very end of the book, our author has like, uh, she's like, hey, like, you know, I just wanted to write a fun fantasy. I know a lot about history, but I didn't add in a whole lot. Sort of like our Treasure Hunters one, but in a way that was not tongue-in-cheek. And I was like, girl, you should have done a little bit more research. <laughs> right? Ugh. And I was like, there's lots of wars they could have fought in together. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want them to have fought in the Indian Wars, but they could have. Like, but they, also, they also could have been Native Americans and fought in that war, and we would have mm-hmm. felt way better about them having fought in it. <sighs> also, like, okay, okay, okay. I know part of the fantasy is a world in which non-traditional relationships are not questioned and don't need to justify themselves and just sort of like yeah this is who we are everyone's like great wonderful love it but honestly because julie comes from such a traditional background and like in a lot of ways a very conservative background like i need more than oh they were in the war together yeah. Like I need I need more. I I just need more than that. So much more, which is why I was like it totally fits mm-hmm. if we assume them to be Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Like <laughs> because then we've been for, through that war with them. We get yeah. it. But, then, but, <laughs> but then, they're not those men. <laughs> I know. And also like I know I'm not the intended audience of this book. But also, I've not seen the Marvel movies. I don't know about this war that Bucky Barnes and fucking What's-His-Face have been in together. I need more. No, of course. And not only that, like, they keep saying that Gold Sky is an accepting place. I'm like, then show us a couple of gay couples. Show Mm -hmm. us other people. And I keep having to think, like, I mean, one reason why it would make sense to me, and this, I don't, like... (laughs) I, I, I don't want to say this, but one reason it would make sense for me for two outside of these two heterosexual men who don't want to have sex with each other, but want to have the same wife, why they want to have the same wife with is because there's not enough ladies. Mm-hmm. There's just not enough ladies. Yep. Like, and they're like, you know what? We love each other so much. We're bestie friends. We can mm-hmm. share a woman. And honestly, that would have been a fine start, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the thing is all of the other characters are ladies <laughs> male person there's another lady hanging mm-hmm. about and i'm like and they're all nice i mean rosemary's a bitch but she's also seems mm-hmm. like fine enough like yeah i was like i will say fuck? i will say to this author's credit there were definitely moments between will and forest where you know like forest would put his hand on the back of will's neck in a very in an intimate gesture yes that spoke to like it was definitely a platonic love. It may have been a quasi-romantic love, but was not a sexual love between the two men. And I'm like, okay, sure. Like, they didn't need to have a no-homo moment. No, like, didn't need that. And I was very They excited. were just like, yeah, we we need each other in our lives. So we need to find a woman who's okay with that. And then, like, we're going to... And so, like, all that, th- like, that very specific element of this book is like, okay, sure, I'm on board. But then again, I need more than just they were in the war. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't, things I don't that were... It. Even, even like, similar to a Treasure Hunter book, even if, like, I know this isn't 
you know, like society wants to tell me that this is true, but for me, this is true. And that's just my truth. That would have been enough for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that would have <sighs> been enough. I mean, but this author seemed to refuse to want to actually go mm -hmm. through the steps of developing characters mm -hmm. or the relationship. Mm -hmm. It does seem like Forrest and Julie fell in love over those letters because mm -hmm. they love because each other she, right away. Because she thought she was only talking to Forrest. She did not know she was also talking to Will. I agree. That's a true thing. And I agree. Mm -hmm. Um I still say she did know she was marrying both people, but <laughs> regardless, she did fall in love with Forrest right away. And uh, I, so the trick was that we're supposed to watch her fall in love with Will, but mm -hmm. I honestly never saw that. I saw her be hot and horny yep. for him every once in a while, but well, I never saw two things. I never saw a reason why she fell in love with him. And mm -hmm. two, I never saw a reason why either of these two gentlemen fell in love with her. Like, well, Claire, straight romance has taught us that if a man and a woman want to fuck each other, that means they're in love. Oh, oh, a point that I wanted to bring up from the last book that I think uh -huh. actually applies. Uh, uh -huh. The the big villain, the whoremonger in that book, the Baron, who was a uh -huh. horrific man. Mu it must be said he was hot. And everybody thought so. And he was but still a son unsettling. of a bitch. Unsettling. But also still creepy. And also still creepy, but he was hot. Mm -hmm. And everybody was like, yeah. dang, that guy's hot, and not, but I'm still creeped out. Because in so many straight romances we've read, if somebody hot, equal good. Yeah. Like, or redeemable. Like, hot mm -hmm. equal redeemable. Like, mm -hmm. ugly people, evil forever, may be good, mm -hmm. but not romanceable. And so they're not good mm -hmm. enough. But so, like, having looks and morality go together was so prevalent in this book. Because they kept talking about how beautiful she was, how beautiful she was, how beautiful she was. And I just kept thinking... That's fine for a first impression. That is fine for a mail order mm -hmm. bride who you've only exchanged one letter with, and that's all you have to go on. And so you're excited that at least going into your marriage, you're hot for this person. Because that's the trope. But I need to watch you fall in love over the course of the book. Yeah, okay. And I don't okay. see that. To, to, like, okay. Sort of looking at a modern parallel, talking, meeting somebody on one of the apps... And you like, you know, sort of hit it off on the app, but understand that when you meet someone in person, it's a very different thing. And you go and you meet them for the first time and you're like, oh, I am attracted to them. And like, you know, especially if, if you are looking to have sex with someone and you're like, oh, I am sexually attracted to them. So like, okay, that's a check in their favor and we can continue on. I totally get it. But then also like, m as you're saying, more needs to happen. So I definitely, I definitely understand of like, because they didn't exchange photos or anything right. for, and I think, I think I maybe think conflating this with another book, but I feel like Julie even had a moment of like, Oh, if he's not handsome, like if he's still the man that I fell in love with writing letters to, then I'll be okay. But like, I definitely understand that moment of like, oh, thank goodness they're hot. <laughs> but then there needs to be more. The, again, yeah. again, hey, people who write straight romance books, 
wanting to fuck someone does not mean that you're in love with them. Those are two different things. And then also someone being fuckable does not automatically mean that they are worthy of love. Sorry. Right. Yep. Uh, um anyway, I what I, I feel like we should wrap up this book. I just have one more thing to bring up yes, please. that drove me fucking crazy. So there's one point where Julie's like, oh, my stomach is so unsettled. It's because I'm stressed out about this or whatever. I need to have some tonic water, blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, of course, of course, course the men knew that she was pregnant before she was. She had absolutely no idea. But, you know, men need to tell women about their bodies because women don't understand their own bodies. Even though she had so many lady friends, the, the lady who owns the boarding house that she became friends with, who was very nice and supportive like even if if the scene had been her talking to julie talking to the to the lady who ran the boarding house and be like oh my god i'm just like i'm so stressed out it's like doing weird things to my stomach and blah 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 and then the you know the lady at the boarding house like asked some follow-up questions was like girl you're pregnant she's right. like fucking what really if it if it had been another woman i would have excused it but the fact that fucking will had to be like you're pregnant. We've already decided when you're going to have sex with whom. We've already decided what the sex is going to look like for you. So obviously, we need to tell you about your own body and when yep. you're pregnant. Yep. Fucking what? Ah. I No, it was so fucking frustrating. On the side of my face, like I like I was I was so upset. I was so upset and so fucking angry for most of this book. And then, of course, every time one of these men freaked out at her for, like, finding out about a dead wife that he never told her about or not including him in a letter to her family when, you know, they know that it's not conventional for a woman to be married to two men and New York is illegal, like... It was always her fault. It was always her fault. And every single moment of this book, if any of those people had said, hey, let's sit down and have a conversation about our relationship, even if it had been hard, something would have happened. But no. And when it got to, literally, when it got to the point that the narrative was like, the only thing to make this better is if they had a conversation about their relationship, somebody was like, let's talk about something else now. They went out of their way to not talk about their relationship and it made me so fucking angry (laughs) yeah agreed uh and that is heart and hand by rebel carter (laughs) are you ready are you ready Let's play Fuck Mary, 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 Fuck Mary Kill, mm-hmm. Sarah, James, Meg. Okay. <laughs> that is. Oh no. Yeah. That yeah. is hard. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because you got to kill one of I them. No, and I don't want to. I'm, I know. That's what makes it good. I know that I'm not going to marry Meg because she does not want to be married. Okay. Um. Are you going to punish her for that by k- killing her? 
No, I don't know. <laughs> this is hard. <laughs> Shit. Okay. So I, th- I think I'm, I'm going to marry James. Okay. Because um, he... <laughs> Because this is Regency London and he has money. And that's yeah. very important. <laughs> He's also good at the sex and good looking. He's also good at the sex, good looking, and a, a nice person. Yes. Um, so I'm going to marry him. Uh, I'm going to fuck Sarah. And I'm going to kill Meg, not because I want to, but only because... I've dealt with enough actors who are just too much that I like, I'm okay with letting that go from my life, (laughs) but I don't want to kill her. So I'm going to sad face stab Meg, fuck Sarah and Mary James. Excellent. What about you? Um, I think um, I'm going to fuck Meg because she's just an awful lot of fun. Like she's also very good at it. She's also very good at it. And I'd also like mm-hmm. set her free, you know, whatever. But mm-hmm. like, she's like great. Um, I'm also going to marry James mm-hmm. because he is kind. One of the, one mm-hmm. of the best arguments in this, like Sarah and him are having an argument and like they're headed into the poor part of town and Sarah is like worried that he's going to be judging everything. Mm-hmm. And so she overinterprets that and she's like, just like a man, you're going to go in there and you're just going to beat the shit out of any old beggar you see to try to get information. And he turns on her and says, I've been stupid. I've been, I've been unkind. I've been like not listening. I have, I've been wrong, but I've never been cruel. And like, and that was true. Like it was, it was just a true statement. And he uh, said it and like it was like he got where she was coming from, but he was so angry. And Sarah had to take a step back and go, Yes, right, my bad. Like, <laughs> like that is correct. Okay. And and it was just so lovely and never cruel. And it's true. Mm-hmm. He never was cruel. He never was cruel. Even in all of the stupid moments that he had, he was mm-hmm. never a cruel man. And we mm-hmm. cannot say that about so many of our love interests. And not only that, he was able to realize like how ignorant and misinformed he was and how privileged his uh, point of view was. Yes. Uh. Yeah. So few, so few men, and I like the only other one that comes to mind is from our Civil War spy book. That yeah. guy, where she was like, "This is why, even though you don't think you are, you're actually racist and sexist." And he's like, "Oh shit! Oh, you're educating me. That arouses me." And I'm like, <laughs> So, um, so I'm going to marry James. I'm going to kill Sarah. And again, this is a sad face kill. Like this is, it's because we have a choice of three and this is what must happen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Neil. Fuck Mary. Kill. Fuck Mary. Kill. Claire. Okay. Julie Forrest. Will. Sarah Meg James. Or. And Captain Wentworth. Charles Musgrove. (gasps) Bum, bum, bum. Which I know is I know I know who you're gonna kill. That one's easy. Yeah, yeah. 100%. But the best I could do is make the other two hard. Well, okay. No, I'm gonna marry Sarah James Meg because they talk out loud to each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
It is literally the bare minimum, and yet <laughs> the exemplary, I shining mean, example of what we have. I will one hundred percent say all marriage counseling is based on that. Like, <laughs> 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 like all, all, that's all it is. It's just like uh-huh. let's talk. <laughs> so I don't underestimate especially as a married woman myself, how hard that is and how difficult see, it is to find okay. in a relationship. But see, that's okay. Yes. Yes. And something that I think um, she whom I love did very well is that those conversations were hard. Yes. And the whole time leading up to them, all the characters were like, this is so hard, but it needs to happen. Yes. These are the reasons why it's hard, but it needs to happen fucking heart and hand none of them even thought julie never had the thought to even sit down and talk about it never um anyways that's why they all must die julie will and forrest which means i'm just gonna fuck um our captain wentworth and Anne and charles like they're gonna Mm -hmm. be it's it's I'm going to have to say they're probably not going to be as fun a time as Sarah, James, and mm-hmm. Meg are, but that's mm-hmm. fun forever. And mm-hmm. uh, the three of us in our Jane Austen land are going to have a real good, very <laughs> quiet time together. <laughs> and Neil. See, okay, so I'm also going to kill Julie for as well. And I think I'm going to fuck Sarah, Meg, and James because it's going to be fantastic uh-huh and i think i'm gonna marry and captain wentworth charles musgrove because it is sort of quiet idyllic i mean like yes i would rather if if i'm living in regency england i would rather live in london um but just i don't know like james was great but there was something about charles musgrove i'm just like you're just such a nice guy he really he's was going to inherit the manor house so there will yep. be seasons in london Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm going to marry them. And, like, as much as I enjoyed Sarah and Meg, they're they're fantastic. Just, like, Anne is so fucking sassy, and I love it. Also, she's she's older and a little more mature. So I think I think I would be a better... I think I would be the Meg to the Anne Kempton one with Charles Musgrove relationship. <laughs> and that I would keep them... I would keep things interesting and they would help ground me. And that's why I'm going to marry them. We all deserve to be the Meg in at least one relationship. <laughs> at least once in our lives, we all get to be the Meg. Indeed. Um, uh, so, Neil? Yes. I bet I can guess, but what about the books? Should we do the characters first? Oh, yes, the characters. Out of all the Sorry. characters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to kill... I'm going to kill Will. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, villains aplenty in mm-hmm. uh, She Whom I Love, but I feel like those characters take care of them, so I don't have to. Right. Um, but then also the thing is, like, th- something that I have learned, if someone is intended to be a villain, I can forgive them for being a villain. <laughs> Even though the Baron is deplorable. He kidnaps women and forces them into sex work. And that is fucking awful. But he's meant to be a bad person, and he gets his comeuppance for it. And so I'm like, narratively, I can allow for that. Mm-hmm. Not in real life. No. But narratively. But I think, so I think uh, between Will and Forrest. Oh, my God. 
No, I have to kill them both at the same time. Like Yeah, I'm doing it they, too, girl. Don't they worry. can't, you know, one can't live without the other, so fine. Mm -hmm. the, I'll kill them both. Um like they're both just equally terrible in their own very special ways. Um and I am going to marry Sarah and James and I'm mm -hmm. going to fuck Meg because <laughs> that's how she wants it. <laughs> Claire? Yeah. I'm doing the exact same thing. <laughs> For the exact same reasons. I was like, I would marry Sarah James Meg and and like probably fuck Grace. She seemed great. Oh yeah, Grace um, is amazing. But Meg doesn't want to be married, so I'm gonna fuck Meg. I'm gonna marry Sarah James and I'm gonna kill Will and Forrest. Yeah. Because they were terrible. I I I can't I cannot get over how fucking dare you walk home from work in the rain. You need to be more dependent on me. Like, fuck off. Yeah. Fuck the fuck right off. And Claire, I am in suspense. I have lost sleep in the time that we've been recording, wondering what you're going to do with these books. I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea how you're going to do these books. Well, surprise, surprise. Um, I am going to kill... Uh, heart and hand mm -hmm. and I'm going to enthusiastically marry she whom I love yeah yes those, <laughs> yes those are the obvious answers <laughs> that is the only answer like if I could make this a litmus test for future people that I meet right. Except, right. Like, there, <laughs> she whom I love there were a couple things that I was like eh, but they were so slight like we didn't even talk about her but ellen the like maid that hated sarah like it felt like there was no reason for it and I mean, that to me was just yeah like, <sighs> yeah i mean she wanted to be the lady's maid was the best i could figure out but like yeah yeah so uh, why like, she that, wanted to be the lady's maid i wasn't really sure right. <laughs> if there had been a little bit more motivation there, there was one other thing and it obviously is so very slight that i don't even remember what it was so i was like oh i just wish that this had been like a little more flesh out or a little bit more finessed but they were just such tiny things that beyond that i was just like oh my god it's just so fun being in this book because not only is it them sort of like navigating their thruple together and them sort of figuring like oh, this can be true and especially coming from a modern reader like yes it can be true yay good for you and then it was it like when cecily got kidnapped and they had to save her from the whorehouse it was not a surprise because it had been built up to, but it was a shock. And I was like, I was not expecting a daring rescue mission, but I'm so glad that it is here yeah. and I want it to work. And it did. And it was done well because not everyone was just like, as you said, not everyone was just like suddenly amazing at rescuing people. There, there was, they, you know, had to figure stuff out. And oh, it was so much fun. It was so much fun and it was so well done. And just like, like I said, it was so wonderful that all like the misunderstandings between the people came from secrets that they were keeping and they were keeping those secrets because of society, mm -hmm. not because of who they were as people, but because, but because, oh, I have to exist in this society and society says that I have to do X, Y, Z. So even though I want to do ABQ, like I got to, it was so well done. It was so well done. And it was so funny and uh, 
was like great. It's, this was a delightful discovery of a book it was it was great and like when i first started reading it i was mad at you because of how long it is because i did not expect it to be so long i was like shit i gotta read a lot of this in the little time that i have left but and it read I was so like, fast oh it was it was it was so easy to read it was so easy to read i've never had a book this long read this fast that wasn't like a, a book that was like a mass market like harry potter or something yeah you know? right so just i just because like it needs to be said she whom i love by tess bowery everyone it's amazing just go read it just go yeah, fucking read absolutely. it absolutely so i mean good. we we spoiled so much of it and honest to god it's still top of your list very good mm-hmm. there's still there's still enough that we didn't talk about that will like keep you engaged and those sex scenes girl i mean girl. if you didn't stop this podcast after i read that first little bit of sex scene and go i'm sorry i just got to get this book yeah just go just go just do go. it <laughs> anyway neil yes is it time for our favorite game it's time for our favorite game it's time for our favorite game which is christine yes okay okay all right <laughs> are y'all ready i'm ready um, this it might be easy it might not we'll see we'll see we'll see okay and one of them i'm going to not read the whole i'm not going to read the subtitle because that gives it away just because i like to cheat i i constantly cheat on this podcast nobody's surprised (laughs) okay oh wait hold on this oh okay sorry no hold on i'm distracted but oh that's why okay okay (laughs) okay you can cut that out or not it's fine okay next time we are reading the royal report by claire castle and His Most Convenient Bride by Holly Rayner. I mean, this is like English royalty, right? The royal family? Something? Um, close. Very close. Is it Marriage of Convenience? Uh, no. Uh-huh. One, one of them obviously is a Marriage of Convenience, but that is not the theme. Okay. Uh, like... It's not like the queen, right? Like, I, I no, you're very <laughs> close. Very stuck you're, very, on you're, this. you're like so close, Christine. And princess? Yes. <gasps> it is princess. Specifically, modern princes where one of them is a prince and one of them is a commoner. Oh, one, two princes. Neil before. Yep. Me. And then I th- <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. so yes, it is modern day princes. And I think they're both from made up countries. So, whatever. <laughs> princes! Yay! Yay! So excited. Hooray! Is one of them <laughs> redheaded? Um. I don't think so, but there is another book about a redheaded prince that is <laughs> on my list, and I am finding a good place for it. Mm-hmm. I considered it for this, but I think I think I can find a better place for it. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> wow. Well. Well. Wow. Thank you, Claire. Well, thank you, Neil. Thank you, Christine. Thank you. Thank you, authors. Thank you so much, authors. We, of course, like, 
Uh, you know, we rip into some things, we shower other things in gold, uh, but honestly, we're just proud of everybody who works so hard and mm -hmm. puts their work out and, and puts it up for sale mm -hmm. on Amazon and then, yeah, and just like trust the winds of fate that send these books yeah. to us. If you don't like our book or if we didn't like your book, jokes on us, you have our money. Yeah. So, you know. Um, and unfortunately, capitalism says that that's all that matters. So, you know, wah, wah. there we go. Wah, wah. Um, thank you so much, listeners. Thank you very much, listeners. Um, obviously, we couldn't do this quite without you. But also, we could. like... It would just be us screaming uh, at nothing. I mean, this means, like, we have to keep it to a time limit. As much as listeners, I think it sounds like we don't. We do. <laughs> Believe it or not. Believe it or not. <laughs> no, I like being part of, like, people's, like, four commutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be just one of your commutes. I want to be four or five of them. I mean, if nothing else, there are each episode is broken up into sections. So, like, even if you only get through one section, like, it, there's a good cutoff point. So, there you go. Thank you, Patreon. There you go. So, thank you so much. Please rate, review, subscribe. Join us on Patreon. www.patreon.com slash fmklitpod. Um, but, yeah. Um... And I guess if that's all we have to say, mm -hmm. then if you can do so safely, consensually, um, with a lot of healthy talking <laughs> and a couple of your hottest friends and out of those wet clothes, girl, <laughs> <laughs> Keep. Keep.